following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. Welcome to Box Office 30 for July 1991. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host and good buddy, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm well, and I can't believe we're into July already. I know. Where did the time go? (laughs) Seriously, dude. Like, holy cow. It's just, it is zipping by. Fourth of July weekend zipped by. I was like, Whoa, this is (laughs) cuckoo bananas. I was thinking about it just before I was getting the recording for this together that, you know, and we talked about it on our 20th episode and all that, but, uh, and last time when we did our year, but like, I was like, this is number 25. And I'm like, that's like a quarter of a hundred podcasts already. And I'm like, (laughs) I, I know that I've said this before, but I'm still continually impressed. Um, that we're keeping this going properly because <laughs> I speaking at least purely for myself, I know I have a habit of like getting really excited about doing something and doing it a couple of times and then being like, Ooh, something else shiny just went by. I'm going to go run after that now and then forgetting about the original, like hence why I had like several very failed podcasts before this, <laughs> but this one's doing good. <laughs> I, I have to say I, I too am impressed and surprised and perplexed by our <laughs> consistency no knowing perplexed our, is my favorite portion of that you know <laughs> it, you know knowing our track record on things it seems pretty preposterous that we've lasted over a year at this point on on one thing let yes alone. <laughs> so i guess movies and you know our equal you know, confusion about things when it comes to certain movies is pretty interesting. I have a funny little story that I happen to see, and I, I am considering getting this for your wife. So hopefully she doesn't hear this before I give it to her. It probably I don't know. Not. She is a avid listener. She might be a few episodes behind, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so I'm in Bailey's comics the other day, researching some comic books for uh, wizards. And what do I see? But sitting behind the shelf is a, what about Bob Funko Pop? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm real tempted to buy this and just mail this to you guys. I, the only thing that I guess I would say to you about that is somewhere down the line, someone's getting a royalty for that thing. 
So you would technically be supporting What About Bob by purchasing that. <laughs> yeah, that's a very valid point. But I just want to see it like maybe in just, Angie's office. Yeah, maybe just next time, like take a picture of it and like email it to her and that'll probably suffice. <laughs> okay, good, good to know. Duly noted. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. So anyway. How yes. are you doing? What's going on? I'm good. Um, as you know, but our, our listeners probably wouldn't. Um, I had a fight with a set of stairs this past week and the stairs won. So I've been uh, bumming around with a, a sprained ankle, which uh, unfortunately is uh, not what you want when you're getting ready to try and move house. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've been in the thick of it with that. And um, for me, it went from like, going to be lifting a bunch of boxes and carrying them and replacing fans and doing all this to basically kind of like sitting around with my foot up and ordering my wife around where things need to go, which some would argue is not the worst thing, but like, Oh, it's, it, it's making me insane. in, in my head, like just the, I have stationary, a you know, thing. <laughs> so I have a term for that kind of situation and it is simply Throw money at the problem and make it go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do we do have like official movers that are coming to do the bulk of the big things, but it was kind of one of these situations where um, we closed on July 1st and we move on July 9th. So like, what do you do with those other eight days in the middle? Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, we could start carrying, you know, fragile things over or, you know, things that we might want over there right away, all that. But I don't know. I've been making the best of it, but it, it, for somebody like me who would rather be in the thick of it, doing it's it's been excruciating. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. I, I don't envy you on that situation. No, it's uh, on the flip side. I consider myself lucky. I didn't end up with like a cracked skull and a broken arm from having like fallen down some stairs. But because <laughs> they were not like your conventional like house stairs, they were like concrete. Yes, like- no, this was at work, and and you know, happily, I didn't fall down too many of them. But you know. You don't want to fall down any stairs on a on a general basis, so you know <laughs> there's that. <laughs> That's true. That is true. So, yeah, gosh. So we've got a lot going on in our lives. I'm actually shooting a movie with Steven from uh, Wizards Podcast starting next week. We're shooting a feature film, and then it's just like craziness going on with August and so on and so forth. But we didn't want to miss out on sharing this month's adventure with all of you and just sprained ankles, movie (laughs) projects, summer in general, work, family, box office 30. We're here for you. (laughs) You get to hear from us and, and, and talk about this month's movie, which there was a lot of conversation about this movie on our social media, which we're going to get into in a little bit. So, one of the things I wanted to bring up was as the you know universe is beginning to reopen and so on and so forth, <laughs> a lot of movies are coming out. A lot on streaming, movies in the theaters. One of my favorite things right now is the Fast and the Furious movie is in theaters <laughs> right now. And I, know where, I know what's coming. <laughs> and if you've been on Facebook at all or Twitter or anything, you have seen the overabundance of Vin Diesel memes about family (laughs) and my god they crack me up every single one of them it's like he's facing Darth Vader he's facing (laughs) 
Superman. He's picking up Mjolnir, and he's like, "You don't need it if you got family." Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's it's almost to the point where it's like the Bernie Sanders glove meme from the from the inauguration. Yes, that it's yeah. just overwhelming at this point. <laughs> It is funny because I haven't seen the new one yet. I know somewhat of the premise of what goes on in it. And of course, they've been ramping up and getting crazier and crazier as they go. Um, one of my favorite related but unrelated memes, it's not him with the family thing, but just uh, they were showing like a Fast and the Furious timeline. So they had like Fast and the Furious, like Fast 9, and then like the next image was like Star Wars. <laughs> so, like, like, like Fast 14, and he's yeah, flying the yeah. Millennium Falcon. Yeah, so like, you know, it, it definitely sounds like it's getting pretty crazy in the uh, in the universe there. Yeah. Um, but literally you know, those have been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. so. But I've actually seen a handful of movies, which is very, very surprising. And I wanted to talk about it, a couple of them that I've seen recently. First and foremost, I saw In the Heights on HBO Max, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. It's a bit too long. I'd say give or take about maybe 10 minutes too long, which whatever. It's a musical. It's fine. The one thing that I have about it that kind of confused me, and if you haven't seen it, I apologize for the spoiler, but. It's been on HBO Max for a month now. It's leaving in about three days. It was also on Broadway for a long time in case anybody was able to see it there. Yeah. There's a scene toward the end of the movie where two of the lead actors, the one that is going to Stanford and uh, her boyfriend, love interest, partner, whatever you want to call it, they, they start singing a song together and the, the George Washington Bridge is in the background and they start dancing up the side of a building and i'm like this movie 99 percent of it is based <laughs> in some sort of musical reality there's no defying of gravity so to speak and that one moment took me out of the movie i'm like what <laughs> Why they up all? It, it's not a dream sequence it's like really happening and it makes no sense that really bummed me it bothered me Otherwise, the movie's really great. I really yeah, enjoy it. we started it and we just haven't had a chance to finish it with everything that's been going on lately. But I think they are they did do a really um, good job with it um, so far from what we've seen. So we'll finish it at some point. <laughs> so, you know what I've run into, actually, with a lot of my movie watching? And, and Michael and I were talking about this before the, the show, that he's got most of the new and new to you sort of movies this week, mostly because I've been so busy with the packing and all this stuff. But um, the other thing is I've kind of put movie watching on a hiatus because at the new house, I used buying a new house as an excuse for finally getting a 4K TV. <laughs> so I've got a nice brand new 4K TV waiting to go up on a wall over at the new house. So I'm waiting on a lot of these movies to see them in all their glory on, on the proper uh, bigger 4K screen. <laughs> fair enough. Fair yes. enough. <laughs> The next movie I saw, uh, this is kind of funny. So anybody who's a parent knows of Boss Baby, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and so the Boss Baby sequel, Back in Business, came out this past weekend or, the couple, or a couple days ago on uh, in theaters and on Peacock. And my oldest daughter is obsessed with Boss Baby to the fact that I even got her a Funko Pop of Boss Baby when the first movie came out. We almost did a, a Boss Baby birthday party one year, 
And then she decided she wanted to do Cinderella, like, out of the blue. We bought all this boss baby stuff. Of course, that's <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, we watched the Netflix series, which is very cute and a lot of fun. But I go to put on Boss Baby Back in Business on Peacock and realize you have to have the paid subscription of Peacock to watch it on demand. So what did I do? My daughter throws a fit. I want to watch <laughs> Boss Baby. So I paid the five bucks and subscribed to. Oh, Peacock. they gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was I was curious if that was going to be the end result after all my um, Disney um, buy-ins fiascos. I was curious if you were going to go with Peacock or not. I mean, now's the time, you know, like between that and the Olympics starting up, it's a good thing to have. <laughs> I looked at it like this. Okay, it was five bucks. All right. I can cancel it literally the day before it renews again. And the kid has watched Boss Baby back in business three times <laughs> since I subscribed to it on Saturday. So she's getting her money's worth in watching this movie. I really liked it. I really thought it was a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. It's very cute. It's much, much, much more scaled down of a massive story than the first one. It's more like centralized, which I find interesting. The villain is voiced by Jeff Goldblum, which just took me all the way <laughs> into this movie right off the bat. Yes. So the one strange thing about this movie, and there's two, there's really two weird things. The, the first one is the Tim Templeton, the older brother, originally was voiced by Tobey Maguire. In this, he's voiced by James Marsden, and it's noticeable. And I didn't care all that much. I was a little annoyed in the first place, but like I'm listening and I'm trying to hear Tobey's voice and I'm hearing James Marsden's voice. And there is a scene where where Tim sings, and I wonder if Toby couldn't sing, and maybe that's why he didn't do it. Who knows? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, too, because the funny part is I I put this on for the kids the other day, and I, I watched like maybe the first like 20 minutes, and then I had to go do other stuff. Um, but one of the things that I noticed is that when Tim like de-ages... It's still the adult voice. It's the adult voice. Yeah, it wasn't it the case in the first movie that it was like the child's voice, except for when he was like sort of telling the backstory was Toby? Thanks. Exactly. Yeah, yes. that was throwing me off. And I know it sounds completely bizarre because obviously Alec Baldwin's voice is coming out of the baby in the first movie the whole time. So like in reality, they've set up the world to be that way. But it did seem really odd. I was really expecting that kid's voice out of Tim when he was de-aged again. And yet it like didn't happen. So that was really throwing me off in a big bad way. Yeah. For that I, 20 I, minutes I was watching it. <laughs> I wonder if because the kid who voiced Tim is now probably in his late teens at this point aged up and, and and his voice doesn't match the thing anyway they were like well we'll just use the same voice but there are certain scenes where i'm like this little kid who looks like the little kid he doesn't sound like a kid and it's like there's people that would know who adult tim would sound like yeah and they're like nobody questions it it's like okay yeah. whatever fine no problem anyway moving on fun, fun movie really enjoyable there's a lot of jokes that the kids won't get, but you as parents will get kind of a la in the, in the vein of like Toy Story and those kind of things where they're cute for kids, but there's also adult jokes, which we all enjoy as well. The third movie that I saw, and this I saw on Father's Day weekend, is a movie called Fatherhood on Netflix starring Kevin Hart. And this movie is 
fantastic. It is unbelievable. I'm going to say this. I apologize for to say this to Kevin Smith, who I love, and Ben <laughs> Affleck, who I love. This is everything Jersey Girl should have been. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Kevin Hart was amazing. There's still a lot of funniness to it, and there are jokes, and there is humor and lightheartedness to it, but it's a heavy movie, and I'm bawling my eyes out several <laughs> times in the movie. It is awesome. Like, Netflix it, has been trying to get me to watch it in a big, bad way. Anytime that I've like brought that up to like bring something up for the kids or anything like that, it's always like right in like the suggestion stuff at the top, and I'm just like, I'm going to have to see it at some point. It's good. I highly recommend it. I really, really enjoy it. It's not too long. It's about maybe an hour and 48 minutes or so, but it goes by pretty smoothly. It's it's a good movie. Really good. It tugs at your heartstrings. If you don't cry in this movie, and you're a parent in particular, <laughs> you got to go yourself checked because this movie will get you good. It was oh awesome. And how poignant you're watching it over Father's Day. <laughs> well, that's when they released it. They released it on like, uh, Friday of Father's Day weekend. Have you noticed? I feel like there's definitely a trend, um, especially in the streaming world and particularly since COVID, that that's kind of the case for things like that they've really been able to. And, you know, movies have done this forever, but like where they're really trying to match up the theme of what their movie is to like particular holidays and different things like oh, that. Yeah, sure. It's really been cracking me up. <laughs> I feel like it's like at an all-time high this past year for for movies doing that. <laughs> because you got to also th- figure a lot of theatrical releases that would have been released in those weekends weren't coming out. So they could capitalize on this holiday weekend. We know the families are going to get together. We know they're going to want to watch. Let's throw this out there and boom, we'll get you. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, in the TV world, I have two more things I want to reference. In the TV world, if you're not watching Loki on Disney+, Plus. You must be watching Loki. Go watch it. There's four episodes so far. There'll be five by the time this episode drops. Whew, it is cuckoo bananas off the wall. <laughs> Everything you want. It's great. Super fun. I highly recommend it. I'm not going to give anything away with it. Just go watch it. Now, the last movie that I watched, and like I said, I said I watched a lot. I don't know how, but I found time <laughs> to watch it. I just did. Um, today, I watched the Amazon Prime movie, The Tomorrow War, starring uh, Chris Pratt. It is great. That's the funny thing is like, you know, you know me, I'm a big Chris Pratt fan to begin with, but um, I was seeing some of the previews for it and I was like, all right, this looks this looks interesting. This looks good or whatever. But all day long today, like if I pop onto Facebook or whatever, it's basically like people I know or like review sites being like, we thought this was going to be all right, but wow, it's really good. So <laughs> definitely another one for the uh, 4K experience. I'll have to um, uh, yeah. pick up when I get some time again in the next few weeks. Yeah, it is awesome. Uh, he's great in it. He's basically doing his best Tom Cruise impression you can possibly <laughs> do. He even like in certain takes looks like Tom Cruise. That's it's funny. really funny. J.K. Simmons is in it. Fantastic. He's the best. I'll oh, watch anything with him. He's the, the best. best. <laughs> and uh, the the female lead, I always butcher butcher her name, her last name, uh, Yvonne. Oh, I forget her last name. But she was uh, she played 
uh, Sarah Walker on Chuck, which is a show that I love. If you know anything about me, you know I love Zach Levi. You know I lo- know, love the show Chuck. She is great in it as well. I, you know, I always butcher her last name. So I don't even want to say it because I'll screw it up. <laughs> but terrific. Everybody in this movie is really good. It's long, though. It's real long. Like, it's a little bit, it's just a little over two hours. And you think that it's over and it keeps going. And it's just <laughs> really, really good. Those are my recommendations. If you, if you haven't seen it, see Fatherhood, see The Tomorrow War, see Boss Baby back in business. And before it leaves HBO Max, go see In the Heights and obviously check out Loki. You'll love every one of them. They're all good. I highly recommend it. This was like a list for me. I know that the listeners maybe think this was a list for them. This was really just like you telling me all the stuff I need to catch up on. <laughs> good. Yes. So when you're re-listening to this, when you edit it, you'll be reminded of these Yes. <laughs> well, we don't need to get our past selves to go in and fight a war in the future, but we could take a look at a war of the past Ooh. from people sending from the future backwards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, let's take a look at our box office 30 for July 1991. Okay, friends, July 1991 is packed to the gills with great movies. Yeah. This is a really great list. There's still a bunch of stuff that's popping in from uh, June and May and even earlier. You still have some of those, um, you know, Dances with Wolves and things like that hanging in there. Um, But just the July releases are just one great movie after another, after another, after another. It's It's probably one of the best months um, we've had in the show, but it's one of the best Julys I think in the last thirty years. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, it's really, really packed. But um, let's start at the top as we always do, and our top film for July, probably no surprise to anybody, is Terminator Two: Judgment Day. This comes out with a record-breaking early Wednesday opening day release of eleven point seven million, and a traditional Friday to Sunday opening weekend release of thirty-one point seven million which at the time made it the second highest box office opening after Michael. Can you guess which film? Batman 89. That is correct. (laughs) That wasn't too hard for you, I guess. (laughs) No, that was a shot in the dark. Let me tell you. Yes. Uh, It finished with 138 million gross in July domestically, goes on to gross 204.8 million domestically and 520 million worldwide. Wow. With a 102 million budget and a July 3rd release date. You have to assume if it made that much money in in 91, it's got to be well over a billion if it was today's numbers, I would assume. Yeah. What was the formula? I think it's basically I used to have this back in the early episodes of the films. It's like you basically double it, I think, is, 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 you know, essentially the inflation for it. Um, It's also our top grossing film for all of 1991. And it it really? Yep, came just short of last year's Ghost by just a little over 500,000. Wow. Yeah, so I, I thought it was interesting that Ghost managed to just squeak out just a little bit higher than this. And Ghost cost way less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, it's also currently the 16th highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. Really? So, you know what the number one 
Bard a movie of all time was? I do. It's Joker. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is crazy. Over a billion for that yeah. one. So, you know, 30 years down the road from now, uh, we'll be talking about how that one grossed $2 billion Yeah. <laughs> with inflation. Exactly. Um, it's probably no surprise, but T2 is also the winner of our July fan selection, and we'll make this our featured film for the month with 52.3% of the, wait for it, 44 votes cast. So wow. a huge thank you to everyone who voted this month, and uh, another huge thank you for everybody that shared our poll, especially Jason over at the Retro Network. I am genuinely blown away by the response and really sincerely grateful for it. So that's a heck of a response. And I did nothing to inflate the numbers. <laughs> on this I, yeah, I saw this one get up to 44 and I'm like, he couldn't possibly have voted 42 of those times. <laughs> um, it was a close race for second in our poll between our number two and our number four movies this month. I wanted to try and put five on the poll, but Twitter limited me to only putting um, four choices. So I skipped the 1991 re-release of 101 Dalmatian since it wasn't an original release. Um, so we, we ended up with a little bit of a split again between our number two and number four, which was Naked Gun 2, uh, or two and three quarters or whatever it is. I think it's two and a half. And then the two third and a half, is, yes, the thank third you. third one is 33 and a third and or third, something. third, yes. And uh, Boys in the Hood. So Naked Gun came out at 22.7% of the vote. Boys in the Hood had 20.5% of the vote. But my biggest takeaway is that everyone really hates Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which managed to lose this poll two months in a row now, this you know time with funny. an abysmal 4.5% of the vote, meaning that it garnered just a single vote out of the 44 that we had. That's <laughs> so hilarious. To whoever you are that voted for Robin, I do apologize, but it looks like this movie is just not as fondly remembered as I recalled people liking it back in 91. And that's the thing. I loved this movie back then. Yes. I just didn't want to talk about it for because it's like three hours long. Yeah, I guess that's the thing is people liked it then and just like don't anymore or something because I was about to point out that was the second highest grossing overall film in 1991. Was it really? Yes. <laughs> wow. So we are done with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I'm not putting it on any polls anymore. Nobody wants us <laughs> to <No>. watch that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so as mentioned, our second place film for July is Naked Gun 2.5, The Smell of Fear. That earns $60.2 million, which is a fantastic for a comedy sequel. Um, and it goes on to gross $87 million on a $23 million budget and June 28th release. And finally, in third is Robin Hood, as mentioned, dropping from last month's number one spot, earning $54.3 million in July. So, again, big number, you know, despite the fact that nobody wants to hear about it now. And uh, City Slickers, our film last month, drops to the number four spot in July with $40.5 million. Hmm. Whew, these are these are taken off here in July. People were saving their shekels for July 1991 to go uh, go to the movies. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that's that, a big poll. <laughs> the really the bummer that I want to point out is that Point Break was not on this voting list. I know. Yes, that's the one. And probably, maybe I should have like skipped uh, Robin Hood in. in Fairness for that, but you know, uh, you know, we'll get to it in a second. But Point Break is number seven overall in July, so I felt like I couldn't dig quite so far deep without without throwing that one out. And again, it's on Twitter. If Twitter had allowed me five things, you know, I could have done it that way. 
I might see if they can find better um, polling software, but it just seems easy because I know that a lot of followers of the Retro Network are on it's um, Twitter just, and active there. <laughs> do the Twitter. It is what it is. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll live with four four different things because then it could fudge the numbers too if you add a fifth variable. Yeah, I mean, way. technically, I really usually feel like I want to be doing three because I feel like four is even kind of too many, but I just could not skip Boys in the Hood being in that spot. And as clearly as shown by the voting, people were all in favor of um, seeing that one. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what? It, it may also end up being like if we do more of these polls, which we will, if there's certain months that it's heavy, that we may do four options and we may do three options when it's months, months that are like less, you know, exciting yeah and i was gonna say like if we get a month where like even movie number three is garbage we'll go back to a a 50 50 pull for number one and two or something like that but we'll see Uh, so i mean it's clearly blockbuster season i'm really excited to discuss some of these titles releasing in july um you know let's dig right into this (laughs) so uh, obviously as mentioned number one's terminator 2 the next july release um and again I, i briefly mentioned this is the 1991 re-release of 101 Dalmatians. This is more than likely a movie I would have gone to see in the box office at this yeah. time, just given the age that I was. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, we were a Disney family. We we saw a lot of those, you know, movies, even if they were certainly new, but even re-releases of the older stuff, you know, in theaters. I'm sure. I don't have a recollection, but I'm sure we would and have our, seen this. And our siblings are four years younger than us. So yes. It would have been very likely. I definitely saw this in the theaters for sure. It's a summer, absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. and just to put it in perspective, the amount of money that's happening right now, because again, this is a re-release. It is a Disney movie. It's a beloved Disney movie, but $37.3 million in July for a re-release of an old Disney movie. I mean, yeah, people were spending. (laughs) Was it rainy or what? I don't know. People were at the movies that July. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. So number six, uh, huge movie, um, amazing movie, Boys yeah. in the Hood. Um, what's your recollection of Boys in the Hood? I remember the trailer. I remember <laughs> uh, a lot of the music from the movie. I just remember that it was so groundbreaking. It was just like a different movie that you did not expect. And it was one of those movies that was way ahead of its time, way, way ahead of its time. and. Isn't John Singletary the director of this? Singleton, yes. Yeah, Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, this is a movie that he essentially created and and started writing, and I'm not sure that he didn't finish writing it um, while he was in college and then managed to sell it almost right away to Columbia. So this is like, bang, right out the gate for him, um, and it really propels him to to who he um, becomes, which is just a huge voice um, in the filmmaking community. I mean, it also sparks the careers of a lot of big actors like Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ice Cube. You know, Lawrence Fishburne was like became household names after this movie. It just really was a crazy huge movie for all these people. Yeah, you know, poignant movie, really good movie. That's why I'm not at all surprised to see a number of people in our in our polls um, wishing that we were looking at that one, um, but. I mean, again, if it weren't up just against so much crazy competition, um, number seven on the list, uh, a personal favorite of mine from mine way back, 
Um, this is not one I would have seen in theaters, but definitely one that I started seeing on WB in the after, you know, on the weekends um, and things like that. Really great movie. Johnny Utah, Point Break. Oh, John, Johnny Utah. Oh, man. <laughs> Point Break is one of my favorite, not only 90s movies, but just movies in general. Patrick Swayze is awesome in it. Keanu Reeves is awesome in it. Like, it's just a really fantastic movie. Isn't I forget, who's the, is Annie Potts like the, the female in it or the love interest or? I don't exactly remember um, sure. the character, but I, yeah, I mean, again, Lori Petty, Lori Petty. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Yes. Um, Just a super duper fun movie. And, you know, it's like, there's a ton of nineties movies with, you know, rookie cop, rookie FBI agent, you know, We've already talked about some this year, you yeah. know, um, but it, it's just fun. You know, he he gets into this surfing community and there's the ex-presidents, you know, the mm-hmm. gang of all these guys that dress up with the masks of all these um, presidents and they're robbing the banks and all this. And they have just like just fabulous scenes like the the fight um, in the air when they're um, skydiving. Oh, man. I mean, it's it's just one of a kind. Um, it's really awesome. I know they redid Point Break a couple of years ago. And, and nobody I th- saw it. <laughs> yeah, I th- that's the funny part. But I, I think I had read that it's like almost like the exact same movie over. Like it's like they didn't even really change it that much. Am I completely wrong in that? I don't know. I, I never saw it. I, I refuse to see it because I'm like, the chemistry between Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze is so good. I don't want to ruin it and taint it by seeing whatever this remake was. Like, I <laughs> Fair never enough. I think that was probably my whole thing at the time, too. Uh, yeah, great movie. Um, I'm sad that we're talking about it such a little amount of time because this is one I would love to rewatch again, too. We'll yeah, add it to the backlog of movies that <laughs> that this movie that this podcast makes us want to go back and see again. <laughs> no, we should do. This is an idea. We could make a poll at some point for a month of a bonus episode. We take a list of some of these movies and let the, the viewers and the listeners vote and pick what our bonus episode is going to be. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you know, the I got a, a kick out of the idea that you had come up with with almost doing like the brackets for March Madness, you know, okay. and we kind of missed the thing. It'd be fun to almost do like a set of brackets for a year. Uh, maybe as like a fun like year end thing, or maybe okay. we do it next March or something. But um, throw all the movies in that bracket that we didn't look at. That might be like this, and like let everybody really like vote them down to the, like the final two, and then you know maybe we rewatch those or something. But yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I'm down for that. That sounds like a good plan. Yes, <laughs> excellent. Um, moving down the list, number eight regarding Henry. Um, do you have a recollection for regarding Henry? Uh, vaguely, yes. So it's a Harrison Ford movie. I think he gets like amnesia, or I guess some sort of, some sort of like loses his memory. And I feel like I remember the trailer of him standing on a rooftop of some sort. <laughs> That's about all I got. As I'm looking at this, I find this very interesting. It was written by J.J. Abrams. Really? That's what it says. Written by J.J. Abrams. Directed by Mike Nichols and music by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember this being a poignant movie of its time. I haven't seen it in forever. forever. Um, but I would not have guessed that J.J. Abrams would have written that. I mean, I guess he he's one of these people that I think was 
way more active than I realized earlier than I realized. You know, I start only really kind of becoming generally aware of him more closer to like when Alias comes out and things like that down the road, you know, um, Bad Robot becomes a more household name. But like, yeah, he's, cre- he's credited as Jeffrey Abrams in this movie. So that may be why we didn't we didn't know this. And I, too, like I didn't really know who J.J. Abrams was probably until Cloverfield. That's really when I got familiar. Yeah, with you're him. late. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, another huge childhood favorite. Um, the whole series. Um, number nine, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Um, just again, super fun. Uh, two Keanu movies in the same month. You can't beat that. <laughs> A week apart, no less. Like. He was competing against himself <laughs> in the box office. It's so bizarre. Yes, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, a lot of fun, really good movie. George Carlin is amazing in this movie as well. You get the idea of death. You get the robots. Yeah, I love death with this. I, I I don't find this one as good as um, no, it's not Excellent Adventure, but um, I do love their evil doubles like the twins like the evil twins (laughs) like they are so good and so funny yeah no this was super fun i i I just love the bill and ted movies i it's a shame that i feel like um bill and ted face the music wasn't necessarily as good as it could have been because i i loved these back in the day it did just pop up on hulu so i'm gonna have to watch that as my next movie i can review for next month because it's on hulu now i'm like oh good i don't need to pay for it there you go (laughs) (laughs) um Okay, I feel like I'm a broken record here, but another huge movie that I loved to death as a kid. I never saw the first one for years and years later. We've chatted about this before. Problem Child 2 is number 11 on our list here for July. Um, (laughs) This movie came to me at such a perfect time as a kid. It is a movie that adults can watch and, and get a kick out of, but I loved this movie as a child because I felt like I was getting away with something by watching this. It was a movie yeah. that like was for kids, but like you definitely weren't supposed to be seeing <laughs> You know what I mean. Cause it just like had a lot of cursing, had a lot of like suggestive stuff going on in it. Um, but Oh my God, I loved this movie. I watched it a million times when I was younger. Um, I, I like yeah. this movie. I, I I don't know which I like better, the first or the second. I definitely, too, saw this one before I saw the previous one. I, I just, I love John Ritter, so it's it's hard not to like this movie. It's one of those, the problems with this movie is the two main characters, if you watch it as an adult, the two problem children <laughs> are not likable kids. <laughs> That's an interesting are. point. You know, I probably haven't seen this movie in, I don't know, at least 10 or more years and to your point, like probably before I had kids, like I would probably look at them now and be like, if that was my kid, oh, boy. <laughs> it'd be like Homer and uh, Bart. Why are you <laughs> ringing his neck? Sure. Um, but it, yeah. again, another huge summer movie for families and kids and stuff like that, that just, you know, what were people doing? They were just like, we're going to the movies. This summer is going to be all movies all the time. <laughs> So we take a little bit of a jump down our list now from number 11 all the way down to number 19. We have a movie, Mobsters. Do you know Mobsters? Mobsters. Uh, ooh, I don't know. Um, hard to say. I mean, I know a lot of mob movies. I do. This has Christian Slater in it, but that's like about all I remember 
Um, no, I have no recollection of this then. No, I was yeah. thinking of a different mafia movie or mob movie. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty um, generally titled. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not, when, a, not a really deep pull for the title on this one. <laughs> when you've got Christian Slater followed up by Richard Grieco. Come on, this has got to be holy cow. <laughs> Blockbuster <laughs> written all over it. Yes. Yeah, no, I got nothing for mobsters on that for you. Sorry, pass. (laughs) Definitely never saw it. I remember the title. Didn't know Christian Slater was in it at all. So we're getting down towards the bottom here. We're at number 21. We have V.I. Warshawski. (laughs) Do you know this one? I mean, I looked this up. It's a Kathleen Turner movie. Um, I, I don't I don't think I know this one, really. No, I don't know this one at all. Um, doesn't ring a bell at all. I don't know. All right, well, how about number 22 then? Dutch. Everybody knows Dutch. <laughs> I was going to like really change my opinion on you based on what your answer to that question if, was. If, <laughs> if, if you weren't a human being in the 90s and then you saw Ed O'Neill of Married with Children get a movie, <laughs> like, come on. I remember this movie. I couldn't really recount the movie all that well, but I do remember it. I remember loving it as a kid. Yeah, I mean, this is a movie again where um, I was introduced to this probably when I was closer to about 12 or 13 by one of my cousins. Everybody's heard that story before. Um, This is another one where I felt like I was getting away with seeing something that I should not have been given the age I was or whatever. Yeah. Um, Ed O'Neill is, if I remember correctly, like the stepfather, um, adoptive father kind of figure to this kind of really stuck up boy who is in a, um, like all boys, um, like prep school. school, prep school sort of thing. And he has to go in and pick him up and drive him home. And it's kind of like a road trip adventure Yeah, with the two of them trying to get along. And of course, um, you know, Dutch is very gritty and blue collar and you know nothing about him appeals to this young kid who's very snobby and wants nothing to do with him thinks he's moving in on his mother and and doesn't like him and you know the two of them play off each other just so perfectly there's so many great lines yeah so many great scenes um and of course it becomes about them bonding as the the film Mm -hmm. goes on um i enjoyed that movie so so much and what cracks me up as i'm sitting here um, looking at it is that I see that it's a Walt Disney <laughs> um, Studios release, which I would not have guessed. And we've had a few of those where that's been the case. Yeah, that's surprising to me. That's very surprising. This was another one of those movies that it was a little bit more dark comedy than something like Uncle Buck, but the same kind of thing where like this, you know, uppity, you know, kids or, or kid or kids get thrown together with this, you know, blue collar, you know, kind of dopey guy and they they form a bond together or whatever. Uh I just love Ed O'Neill in this movie. He's so fun. The kid is very fun. I kind of miss this movie and I and I sort of want to rewatch it now. Yeah, I actually really want to rewatch it now. And as you bring up Uncle Buck in relation, it's Fair to point out, this is a John Hughes movie. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> that is why you're getting that feeling, definitely. Um, yeah, no, it's. I, I really want to give this another go again. I loved this so much when I was younger, and, and I would suggest if anybody hasn't seen it and are Ed O'Neill 
fans definitely check it out it's really worth um taking a look at for sure yeah <laughs> uh okay so we're getting into the uh, kind of bottom um set of movies here number 24 life stinks this sounds it. like something i should know but I, I don't know if i can place it off the top of my head this is a mel brooks movie maybe uh, that's why it's popping in my head yeah he's the writer director producer and star uh I don't really remember much about this movie other than that he was like a businessman that kind of like loses all of his money of some sort. I vaguely recall this. This was one of those movies that I know my parents probably rented on VHS and I was sort of like watching from the distance sort of thing. Beyond that, I don't remember much about it otherwise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It must not have been one of his more um, successful ones. No, I would. Um, number 25 is another you. Do you know this one? This is a Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder um, duo movie again. Must have been not one of their popular ones because I don't remember this one. Yeah, this is another one where I would have seen this like in the afternoons on a on a weekend. Um, They were um, like mental. One of them is a mental patient. The other is like a wealthy um, guy. And uh, yeah, it's like yeah, kind of just like a fun. You know, every time the two of them are together, it's definitely like a really uh, good. Here's um, a shock for this. That movie had a budget of 17 million and wow. to, to date grossed about, I don't know, a little over 4 million or so. So it was really not, didn't do well in the box office, is what it looks like. No, I guess not. <laughs> um, number 32, The Doctor. Um, I think this is a William Hurt movie. Sounds like a William Hurt movie. I feel like I. Yes, it is. You are right. Good guess. Yeah, I have like this the vaguest recollection of this movie. Yeah. Um, Apparently it's a a doctor that has like some disease or another. Yeah, basically it says when a self-centered doctor is diagnosed with cancer, he becomes better able to emphasize with his patients and appreciate life outside of his career. Yeah, I had just like the vaguest, vaguest. recollection for that one <laughs> it had an opening weekend of a hundred and sixty five thousand dollars yes that is not that is not a lot of money <laughs> all right um the next one on this list um i find myself a little confused by um which is we are at number 35 oh, and it's slacker um now slacker um is a richard linklater film and it, funny enough, I have not seen it, but the reason I know this film so much is that um, Kevin Smith um, basically credits this film as being like why he decides to become a filmmaker, um, that he saw this movie and he went, I could do that. And <laughs> he like started going into film school and a few years later he drops out and in 93 or four, he, he releases Clerks, I think four, 94. Um, but Slacker's a, to my recollection, a 1990 movie. So I'm not sure if this is one of these ones where box office mojo is messing with us again, or if this is like, again, some weird, um, re-release or if the 1990 original release was just limited. And then this is when it hits theaters properly that I'm not so sure about. If you look at it, it says it was released by Orion classics. I wonder if it was some sort of a re-release that it, you know, had some, maybe like a festival debut 
got bought, went did the festival run, then they re-released it in theaters, you know, to see what would happen. Yeah, the one thing you have to be careful with with this with the distributors is that it probably it was Orion at the time, or maybe even something different. They often update who the distributor name mm-hmm. is in, in these later on ones. So it's always a little interesting up in the air about what exactly it is that uh, it's going to be. Good to know. So that brings us down to our um, Miramax zone of the uh, of the list. Number 36, we have a movie called The Miracle. Number 37, Prisoners of the Sun. And finally, number 39, The Dark Backward. Um, I don't recognize any of these films. No, neither. Um, they're making, in a month where most movies are doing millions and millions, 23.9,000, respectively. So again, our bottom of the barrel. Um, but I will, I will do our last movie in, in the spirit of things. So The Dark Backward reads as, A man pursues stand-up comedy encouraged by his fellow garbage man. Though his friend who accompanies him on accordion continues to tell him how great he is, actually stinks. When the comedian grows a third arm out of his back, the friend uses this twist to get him signed up with a sleazy talent agent, and it begins to look like his career is on the move, even though his girlfriend has left it. What? Wow. <laughs> I want to see this now. I want to see this right now. Where is Almost this? sounds like a trauma movie or something. Like, yeah. what a weird um, premise for a movie. <laughs> yeah, this is something that I feel like Stephen or Adam would know about because they know these kind of weird things. I'm like, what is this movie? Judd Nelson is the star. Yes. And- now I was about to say, like, this actually has some decent people in it. Judd Nelson, Bill Paxton, Wayne Newton, Lara Flynn Boyle, James Caan, Rob Lowe. <laughs> I mean, wow. yeah, this is this has got some like really interesting um, kind of people in it. But huh, what a weird, uh, weird what premise. What folks <laughs> will do for a paycheck. Holy yes. <laughs> wow. Again, it's the Miramax of things. You know, I think there's some of those um, folks at that point in time. They have to do those one off uh, one for me, one for Miramax sort of. Uh, <laughs> films. Wow. That is something. Holy cow. I'm, <laughs> whoo, grows a third arm out of his back. That's yes. really as, that's as so um, stand up uh, aspiring stand up comedians are prone to do, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that does it for our amazing, amazing July list. So let's take a look back and see if we can uh, recall our featured film, Terminator 2. So since this is your month to do the review... Can you recall this movie? I feel like you're going to do a pretty good job at recalling Terminator. Yes, I, I think I would would be failing at life having a 90s movies podcast and not being able to to fairly well remember um, Terminator 2. But let me start off by saying Terminator 2 is written and directed by James Cameron, who I'm not even going to spend time telling you about. If you're tuning into a movie podcast, you know James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what's your favorite non-Terminator Cameron movie? Non-Terminator favorite Cameron movie. That's tough. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say Titanic. That sounds kind of corny. No. I mean, I do like Titanic a lot. I like The Abyss a lot. 
Um, I don't really like Avatar, and I, I'm not excited they're doing four of them or whatever they're doing. But uh, it, it is what it is. They're gonna make. Them. I feel like Avatar is gonna be like the new like. If you remember Back to the Future Two, and there's like Jaws seventeen, like in like the hologram that comes and gets him. I think that's going to be like the avatar thing, like avatar 17. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that you could just literally CGI everybody in the movie is, is probably fine. You know, actually correction. My favorite James Cameron movie. It just came to me is another Schwarzenegger movie. And it <laughs> is bar none. I think, Cameron's best movie is True Lies. True Lies, very good. Yes, that's definitely way up there. Um, mine is The Abyss. Um, okay. Yeah, I love The Abyss. Um, that really captured my imagination when I was younger. Um, and it paves the way for Terminator 2 because they basically use that as like a proof positive, being able to do some of like the morphing and like the face sort of animation with the CG that ultimately gives you the T-1000 in, in Terminator 2. So. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool movie. Um, that's another one that I really want to go back and watch again at some point. Yeah. I was, I I don't know why I was just thinking like a couple days ago, um, about the scene where like they're getting in like the, like breathing tank and like where you have to like essentially drown yourself in like that amniotic liquid. I have Mm -hmm. no idea what made me think about that the other day, but I was thinking about that scene out of that movie. So there, there you go. Um, the film stars, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arthur, Third Arnie movie, as you pointed out to me the other day. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Linda Hamilton, Edward Furlong, and Robert Patrick, among other very talented um, stars of this film. So, yes, let us try and recall Terminator 2. Um, so, uh, film opens, um, and I'm probably going to fudge this a little bit, but uh, with does it start immediately with like the Terminator um, teleporting in in like the time oh, bubble? It starts in the future starts in the future because you he sends him he sends him back the older john connor sends sends the reprogrammed t101 back basically you see the opening shot is oh yeah when he crushes the the skulls yeah Yeah. oh man that freaked me out when i was younger yeah yeah like i saw this movie for the i can actually tell you for the exactly where i saw this movie i saw this movie for the first time at a friend's house um i was sleeping over and uh, I was always watching movies at his house that I felt like my parents weren't otherwise showing me. <laughs> I saw this there. I saw Raising Arizona there. Um, not that it's really in the same bunch, but I saw Little Monsters there um, with uh, Fred Savage yes. and uh, what's his face from um, AGT? Oh, uh, Howie Mandel. Yes. <laughs> I saw that there. Yeah, I saw a bunch of really good movies at his house. But yes, I remember like freaking out. You're, like, you're so right that it takes place in the future and the Terminators are, are like taking over. And they, then he sends the reprogram one back. I think it's a um, T-800 as we sends back, not a T-101. Um, T-800. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't remember. I thought it, for some reason it was a 101. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I could be off. Um, but anyway, um, he older John Connor, who is the leader of the resistance in the future, sends this reprogrammed Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator back in time to protect his younger self from being assassinated. Um, and uh, from there, and I'm probably going to mix up the order of some of this, um, Arnie shows up in 
the now, well, it's not even the present. I thought that was one of the interesting things like about this movie. The, the movie was um, 95, I think, because 97 is, is Judgment Day. Oh, right, right. Um, So the movie takes place in 95, which I thought was interesting because the movie releases in 91 that it's like the really near future. It's not like they even did like in the year 1999 or 2000. Mm -hmm. Like it was like literally like, all right, four years from now sort of thing. So I don't know. Just kind of an interesting um, dating for when it came out. Um, Yeah. August 29th, 1997 is Judgment Day. (laughs) How do you know that? I don't know. That's one of those like geek uh, things that's that's ingrained in my in my memory. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, but uh, he shows up and he he goes to the bar and he he steals the biker's clothing. Um, meanwhile, you look to me now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, somewhat meanwhile, the T one thousand has also shown up and he kills a cop, and he um, is made out of a liquid metal. Um, they used to have a name for it, and I can't think of what it was. Some scientific-sounding thing with like poly something or other in it um, that can take on the form of of anything. So he kills the cop and takes his form and his motorcycle. And uh, the two meet up with John Connor at like a mall. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, and he he comes. I'm trying to remember. I think it's the scene where he comes down the hall with. The box of roses. Yes, it's like a bouquet. Or is that later? No, that's later when he goes and breaks out uh, Linda Hamilton from from the no, mental no. institution in the, in the mall. He's got the flowers. Okay, so yeah, so he drops it in like slow mo, and the shotgun comes out, and John Connor ducks and he blasts the T one thousand, and they they have an epic chase, and uh, John realizes that you know he can control um, the Terminator that he has to listen to what he says. So they go to break out um, Linda Hamilton's character. Funny enough, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. Yes. I don't know why of all things I can remember. Other stuff. why I'm blanking. On. I, there's something with me with names. I swear to God, there's definitely something wrong in my brain with trying to remember names. Like it's, it's even like you walk up to me and you go, hello, my name is John Smith. And I'm like, hey, John Smith. And then like two minutes later, I'm like, what was your name again? There's <laughs> definitely something wrong with my brain with names. Um, so he goes off to, to get Sarah Connor, um, but she's already in the process of trying to break out of her, um, mental institution that she's at where she's been in prison, presumably since 1984 ish, um, mm. when the, um, um, yeah. original Terminator had come to get her. I don't know what the date is in the 84 movie. Um, if it, if it happens like point in time or not, but, um, she'd been in there for a minute, I guess. I do think it happens in, in 84 is the first movie. She has John. She goes to Mexico at the end of the first movie. Somehow, at some point, she comes back to the U.S., gets caught, and gets... I think she was, I think she gets arrested and sent to a mental... Because she tries to break into Cyberdyne. That's right. That's right. No, yeah, that's right. She was trying to, I think, like, blow it up or something like that. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. And I think she gets... You know, she was then raving about the Terminators and everything, and they stuck her in this mental institution. Um, no, you're completely right. So they end up going to to rescue her out of that. We have some more clashes with the T-1000. Um, more killing, more people die. Yes. Die <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, for sure. Um, they get away and they come up with a plan that they need to go um, get this microchip from Cyberdyne. Um, so they go to Miles Dyson's house. I don't know why I remember his name. If not Sarah's name, 
I, again, I was just totally blanking on her name. I, I, I should know this after all the Terminator stuff I've watched, um, the, including the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, Which was a great they, show. I like that show a lot. Yes. Um, so they, they go to um, get him from his house. And I think she was going to kill him, but then his family's there. She like kind of can't do it like in front of his, his children and his wife. Um, so they tell him, um, and I think they show him like the, like the Arnold Terminator and yeah, like prove cut, it to cuts him. off his arm, like cuts off the skin layer of his arm and just reveals. the Yes. So they, screen. they all make a plan to go to Cyberdyne to get the microchip so they can destroy it. Um, so that way, um, it'll prevent, um, judgment day from happening. And by the way, earlier in, in this film, they have like that amazing, um, scene where like, uh, she's having like the nightmare. Well, the, the, that's the yeah the chase scene I was referencing earlier, but like the where she's having the nightmare where the um, nuclear blast happens in Los Angeles, and it's all like oh, done with yeah. like miniatures and things. It's really cool. Um, you know how they did the liquid metal? Um, parts of it, yeah. It, it was uh, a lot of. I mean, ILM was heavily involved, but it was a lot of um, morphing um, technology and things like that at the time. And um, also, in certain parts, when like in the movie, when you see like bits and pieces of them come back together, they they melted mercury and they, and the mercury itself pulled itself back together. Yeah. You don't even need to melt mercury. Mercury is um, a really fascinating metal, even in its um, standard, like kind of liquid state where it has that sort of globbing effect. Um, yeah. Not very healthy for you. <laughs> don't breathe it. Fun fact. And maybe, maybe you do know this being a Batman fan um, and, and mad hatter. Do you know why you would be as mad as a hatter? Uh, breathing in mercury. Exactly. Yes. Hatters back in the day used to use mercury in, in their um, hat making and breathing in all that mercury would actually make them go insane over time. So fun, fun, non-movie fact. <laughs> um, but uh, so anyway, they, they get to Cyberdyne and they break in. Um, and I don't remember if the T-1000 shows up there, but I know that like uh, there's like a big police response and um another just insane shootout you know um and uh miles's character um gets shot and he's going to die and he like rigs up like a like dead man switch explosion so that way like he when he dies he like blows up the place yeah um so they escape there and they're being chased by the t-1000 um and they have the t-1000 does show up there because he's flying a helicopter that's right yeah and they they get away. I think they've got the chip and they've got the old Terminator arm. The first arm. Yes, from the or first movie. And they um, end up at like a steel mill and they have to like destroy everything. So like they throw it in like the molten metal and there's a final big um, showdown. And the T-1000 essentially kills the T-800, the T-100. I don't know. We're off on that. Whatever it is. T-8. I'll go with T-800. That does sound right the more I say it. So um, they do the big shootout. The T one thousand falls into the the multi. No, yeah, well, like he, like he thinks he's like killed Schwarzenegger's character, and then like Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor, is like blasting him, and he's like moving backwards and backwards towards the the molten metal. Uh, but then she like runs out of bullets, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator turns out had like a backup power source, and mm -hmm. he fires a grenade round that blows him into the. Um, metal finally and yeah. so they've beaten the t-1000 all as well except saddest moment ever 
they realize that there's still one chip left in Arnold's head. And so they need to destroy him. And because he can't destroy himself, um, they have to like lower him into the, the liquid metal and he's lowering into the vat and his thumb comes up and gives him the thumb up one last time as he goes down and the film ends on Sarah and John driving to Mexico um, and, and her sort of reminiscing on how um, this machine like came back and, and, you know, saved them and all this sort of thing. And that, and also not only that, like, I think they kind of say that he like learned some sort of way to love or, you know, like, he was able to learn or something. Yeah. This is the whole reference about that. Yeah. That's T2. Um, and then all of that is undone by the, <laughs> the newest Terminator movie where I'm really confused because it turns out there was still like another copy of an Arnie Terminator wandering around at that exact same time. And as soon as she's down in Mexico comes and spoilers kills John Connor <laughs> within like a week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although amazing. Um, uh, uh, and opening to that movie, like if nothing else, I mean, the rest of that movie was like, okay, but um, it was better than like Genesis or a bunch of the other ones, oh, but man. Um, amazing opening to that movie, especially with like some of the de-aging and things like that it looked really good. And I think they yeah. actually used some footage and just like fixed it up um, from the original uh, T2. So yeah. T- yeah, T3 T3 is not good. It's, no. not, dire- it's not directed by James Cameron. He, I think he was not allowed to be involved with it because he lost the rights to the movie. Uh, Terminator Genesis, the one with uh, Christian Bale and Sam Worthington, is a Mick G movie. And I remember we saw sit, like snippets of that movie at New York Comic Con, the first one we ever went to together. We sat in a panel and he showed us bits and pieces of the pre rendered stuff. And we're like, oh my God, this looks <laughs> awesome. Then we saw it in theaters and we were like, oh my God, this is awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're good at like trailers, I think. Yeah, because it, uh, it just was not good. <laughs> I yeah. feel like there's another one in the middle that I'm like missing. Um, and but, I'm really having a hard time thinking of what it was. So there's the, 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 T, the Terminator 3, Arnold comes back and he faces the TX, which is the female Terminator. Yes. Then you have Genesis that was trying to reboot thing. There's another one after that that I could not tell you what happens to it at all. Uh, then there's the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Then there's Dark Fate. There's oh no, there is uh, Salvation. Salvation. Is the other one. Yes, I knew there was another in the middle there somewhere no. that was completely oh, I'm forgettable. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Salvation one was the Mick G one that we saw with Christian Bale mm. in it. Genesis with the weird spelling of Genesis is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Amelia Clark and uh, Jai Courtney playing uh, the Kyle uh, character. In Kyle Reese. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the movies, and they're not great. They're not great. I I do like Dark Fate. I think there's a lot of it that is really good. A lot of it that is not really good. I just again, I think it's hard to ever approach how good Terminator Two was. Um, it's one of those so, rare movies where the sequel's better than the original. For sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and even like box office wise, like one of the things I was noticing before is like I mentioned to you that um, Terminator 2's global is 520 million. Terminator, the first film, just the Terminator, was something like 73 million all told. Oh wow! So I mean, like, even just box office wise, this one blew it out of the water. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, again, Dark Fate was good. Um, it was definitely better than all of those other middle sequels. Yeah. But again, it's just nothing holds a candle to T2. So it's just so it's like you're you're setting yourself up to fail because it's just never going to be <laughs> to, to what that was. And at that time, and, and, you know, it still holds up so well after all this time. So, yeah, I mean, even the graphics, I mean, I was just watching something the other day. Um, uh, there's this group of guys card or crew that I, I love their YouTube and they um, do a lot of uh, movie effects breakdowns and things like that. And they were taking a look back at how, um they had done the effects in in t2 and like it's just it's fascinating they you know they just did such a good job for the time and again like you have to think about um where this movie was in like the grand scheme of timeline this was like probably one of the most ambitious uses of cg ever up to that point like up to that point like after um I don't know. There was a couple of movies that were like kind of using it to like, like, like Tron. Um, it's like a big one before that. Um, but, but, but Tron in comparison to this, like you can't. Well, yeah, I mean, but, you, but I mean, like, again, just taking into consider like how much they were relying on CG to do something really big and amazing with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember like at the time, like if I like forget recalling the movie, I can remember the hype going into this movie where, was um, I don't know R rated movie, no less like, yeah, like, but I remember like in the news, like your like nightly news, they were talking about like how amazing like the CG was and like yeah. what they were doing with it. And like, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a movie that was big time, big time hyped um, before it even hit the theaters. Yeah. And so no wonder it did what it did in box office. And then it was just not only really well done as far as anything on like the effects front, it has a really good story. All the characters are played extremely well by all the rest of the actors. It's just, I don't know. It's just, it's like one of these like nineties perfect movies. And that's why I felt like it was a little redundant to, to even throw a poll out there this time, because I just can't imagine people not even um, voting for it. You know, like rotten tomatoes. I think it still has something like a 95 or something like that that percent. You know? Um, So, I mean, yeah, again, we will go head over heels for this when we do our, review but um it's as close as you can approach to a perfect action movie in the 90s i mean perfect action movie perfect sci-fi movie like there's a lot of things about this movie that if you look at it in various genres it can fall to different characters like there's parts of it that are kind of almost like horror-esque in a way and you know it's it's funny because i remember seeing this the first time on vhs and nine or ten year old me had some nightmares when they <laughs> when when he cut off the skin of that hand and revealed that cybernetic arm i was sleeping with the night light on for a yeah i mean of there, there was definitely some things like that that probably as a kid i was like oh that's pretty gruesome i remember the t-1000 sticking with me i was scared of the t-1000 yeah and i you know like it, when you go back because this was my introduction to terminator but like when i went back a couple years later then and saw the original and it's like all right like the Terminator, like a Jason Voorhees type of character, is like this unstoppable thing that's just going to keep coming and coming and coming. You know, um, it was the same thing with this. Like the T one thousand was relentless. You know what I mean? It's just like, but he was also like, it, it's it's not even just like that same thing where it's like the killing machine of like one of those horror characters. He was like really cold and like you know, like there was like just like you know, like not that you would expect there to be any kind of heart to a a robotic type of character but then when you offset him 
from who the Terminator is becoming in this film. And like this kind of like this machine is learning to become like a human, as you were sort of, you know, pointing out that she's talking about at the end. Um, It's kind of like this really cool dichotomy between the two characters. And like, you know, the fact that he's got like this, like really cool ability, which is like this liquid metal, which makes him like nigh unstoppable. And he can take any form and make these crazy weapons out of his arms and things like that. I mean, yeah, just, just a really cool, concept and you know it's why they brought it back in dark fate they kind of like did the jurassic world thing of like combining like a uh velociraptor with a tyrannosaurus rex because those two cool things must be cooler together that it's like Mm -hmm. in dark fate they did like the kind of t800-ish robot with the liquid metal and then the two of them could separate i mean like you know (laughs) I, i don't know if like i think that was actually one of the weak points for me for dark fate in some ways it was kind of cool, but in another, I was like, ah, they're just taking those two cool things from T2 and trying to fuse them together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, that was probably the weakest part of that movie for me as well. This movie... Although visually it was really cool. But... Oh, visually it was awesome. <laughs> but, like, this movie, one of the things that this movie does really well is makes the female lead a super badass. Like, you haven't seen a female lead in a movie like this ever to this point that I could think of. Well, there's Ripley in Alien, which again goes back to James Cameron again, so I yeah. gotta give credit where credit's due, but... Fair, fair point. I hadn't seen Alien at that point for, for me, so this was the first time that I saw like a female lead, you know, machine gun yes, toting. In, in that respect, absolutely, yes. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean... Honestly, the weakest part of this movie for me is Edward Furlong. He just, <laughs> I just don't like him as an actor. But again, he plays this, you know, jerky, arrogant kid. And he, he's fine. He's good. Uh, I, I like the relationship with him and Schwarzenegger in this movie. I just don't like him as an actor. In a way, I think the John Connor character is there to sell this movie to a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they're going to be like getting like, you know, eight or nine year old kids necessarily in because of this, but I think it's like having that like angsty teenager brings in teenagers and amps up the, you know, mom, I want to go see this rated R movie, you know, sort of thing and bring the whole family because they got to go, you know, parents got to bring the kid to come see it then sort of thing. Or, you know, at least they were like sneaking into the movie theater or whatever. The one thing I've noticed about all the Terminator movies is this. Every time John Connor is in the movie. He's always the least interesting character. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing in any of them that has convinced me why John Connor necessarily would be like this one guy that you could like unite the people against yeah. the Terminator uprising, the Skynet uprising, you know. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, again, I'm not going to even say that James Cameron is like a perfect filmmaker. I mean, you know, you brought up Avatar before, and Avatar is a really fun movie, but there's a lot of dopey, dumb stuff in that movie. And and as with a lot of his movies, that's the case. So the, the problem with Avatar I have is if you're not watching it in 3D on IMAX, it's not a fun movie. It's not, it doesn't have a lot of rewatchability, whereas like True Lies or this movie have a lot of rewatchability because it's fun. It's wild like it takes you on that at a real adventure yeah well i remember you know the phenomenon of avatar when it came out was the experience as you say i mean like you know this was like at the beginning of the trend of movies being 3d 
Um, and, I, and IMAX. And just even if the it. movies weren't filmed or created to 3D, you know, they started doing a lot of rotoscoping and things just to be able to like sell those extra ticket, you know, prices and things like that. But and we've been subject to buying many of them ourselves. Yes, I, I think one of the things that that so was poignant for me when Avatar came out, at least, was it became my dad's favorite movie. And it's saying a lot to say that, but I, I remember I, they had their place down in Florida and we came down to visit them and we, the movie had just come out. I think Angie and I might have seen it already, either that or we were going with them for the first time and we took them to go see Avatar at the um, Disney um, AMC that was there. And like, like we walked out of the theater and my dad was just like, that's my favorite movie ever. And at first I thought he was just like razzing me or whatever, but then like he wanted to like actually see it again and things. And like, you know, it was like, it was an experience for him. It was something like for somebody that was him and his age, it was something different, you know? And like, it was just, it, it, it was like a kind of like a time, you know, altering sort of thing. And I think that's why it still holds so many huge box office records and things like that, because it just really did something big and different. That said again, it is not by any stretch a perfect movie. There's a lot of really weird, questionable stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unobtainium, you know, <laughs> like, you know, just dopey <laughs> stuff like that. Two bit dimensional, you know, like one dimensional uh, villain, um, you know, appropriation of culture stuff. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's got all sorts of things, but um, it did something really different. And if I can give James Cameron credit for anything, he definitely likes to push the boundaries of doing things differently at different times. And, you know, yeah. for T2, it was a lot of what he was doing with the visual effects and sort of things like that at that point. And it was, it was mind blowing at the time. I remember seeing this movie and being like, Holy cow, how did they do that? That was really amazing. You know, the, the portion where he's blending in with the tile floor, yeah, you know, and then oh, he kind of stands up at it. I mean, it was just really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we could talk all night. I have plenty of, great things to say about T2, but we should probably save some of this overwhelming um, <laughs> kindness for the review. <laughs> Gee, how are we going to lean when we rewatch yeah, this Yeah, what do you movie? think, guys? you think we're going to hate this one or what? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, overall, you know, it's a great movie. Do you want to dive into our preview review? Absolutely. Yes. You know, I don't think this is one where we need the preview review to remember anything about this, but I do think that it would be fun to see the 90s trailer goodness for for this film. Um, So let's uh, let's take a look at that. Three, two, one. (laughs) There's the movie voice guy. Yeah, 84. Same model. That's what I think is cool when he does run into her again. She freaks out so bad when she yeah. sees him. He's in great danger. Yeah, this was such a great chase scene with yeah. that truck. Once he was programmed to 
destroy the future. You don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now his mission. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Get down. This is another one of these things where this movie is just infinitely quotable. Oh yeah. Yeah, look at that. That's so cool. Yeah. Now he's running. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was so crazy. This time there are two Terminator Two. Yeah, where he's fighting all those cops with that chain gun. Yeah, I'm trying to like think about like as a kid seeing this trailer. I probably would have been like going out of my mind without. Cool yeah, me too. I mean, this looks cool for now. Forgetting like for 1991. Yeah. I mean, they are giving away a lot of the action set pieces. Yeah, a lot. The film. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a kick-ass trailer. I mean, um, it still holds up. Holy cow. It still looks amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unreal. Yeah. I can't wait to rewatch this one, and I'm going to watch it, if I can, in 4K. <laughs> Gee, you're just trying to make me jealous. I. You want me to make you really jealous? I got a 77-inch TV. <laughs> I have a 75 inch so all right so that's not too yeah i was gonna say yours is pretty darn big too i couldn't remember <laughs> what yours was in that zone so it's not too far off yeah i just um i got one of these ones where for whatever odd reason it's 77 instead of 75 i don't quite know that for um which is uh lg um for some reason they make it in in 77 instead of 75 did i, I ever tell you the about. story about my tv no hit me with it <laughs> this is good so we were doing the extension on our house and so my wife wanted to get a chandelier, a coffee table, a big couch, yada, yada, yada. I said, sure, whatever you want. Pick it out. We'll figure it out. Yada, yada, yada. I said, you know what this room needs, though? She goes, what? I'm like, it needs a really big TV. <laughs> so we went to Best Buy right before the Super Bowl, and I knew the TV in my head that I wanted, and I walked her to the back of Best Buy. And I pointed at the television <laughs> and she goes, how big is that? I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's 75 inches, baby. That's 75 <laughs> inches. She goes, oh, my God. And then she she picked we get the TV and then she goes, you know what this TV needs? And I said, what does it need? She goes, it needs surround sound. Yeah, I, was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, OK, <laughs> if we're getting it, we'll get them both right now. <laughs> and that was how the story came about. Very nice. Yeah, I remember when you got it. It was definitely like it was the biggest of anybody that I knew. <laughs> Yes. Um, I think I thought it was a 70, but yeah, yeah. Now that you're saying it, I'm like, yeah, that thing is massive. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be like, wow, this is a big TV. This, thing. You know, this is this is really big. But like we have a big wall with a big cathedral ceiling. And yes. I'm like, I could have even gone bigger if, if I wanted to. Yeah, no, it's like, it, it actually is like there's nothing like it would have looked anything smaller would look stupid in the wall that you have that in because yeah. it's, it is like this just this expansive wall you would have had done like a lot of art around anything else to make it look like exactly. normal or something <laughs> but yeah wow 
watching this in 4k is gonna look wild i'm, jealous. <laughs> I'm really jealous yeah I, I got like a little sound bar too that's got like a little subwoofer thing so i want to like try and hook that up and see if i can get some decent uh nice sound going with it I, I might do surround again at some point i had an old surround system at my house but i, I got rid of it because it was like not working so well so i might do something down the road Dude, the sound bars are amazing nowadays though <laughs> like they they almost give you that 5.1 surround sound just with the sound bar and a sub it's weird yeah. how it moves the sound it's really cool all right well let's bring this uh train into the station for this week for this two week period i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, if you'd like to chat with us about the show, get in touch with us via our social media channels, Box Office 30 on Facebook and Twitter and Box Office T-H-I-R-T-Y on Instagram. Want to do a um, action movie quiz in, in response to our action movie of the month? Absolutely. Without question. I actually did not pack these up intentionally just so I could do That's our good. quiz here I'm today. Glad. I'm very <laughs> glad you, you remembered. Yes. Because I was like packing up my desk the other day and I'm like, I got to leave these ones out for better or worse. I, I still can't believe you forgot Sarah Connor, but you remembered Miles. Dyson. Well, again, like I was just I swear to God, it was a temporary brain fart because like there's no reason to not remember the one consistent character in all of the Terminator movies but and TV shows. But yeah, I don't know. Just my brain was freezing. I, I got Linda Hamilton, but I could not get to Sarah Connor. Um, all right. In what film does Harrison Ford star as Dr. Richard Kimball? The Fugitive, a movie that I can't wait till we get to that one. Yes. <laughs> I know that's a number one in, in one month, some point. I saw that in the drive-in. Which I can't wait to talk about too. Nice. <laughs> Great movie. I love that. Uh, which actor starred as Mr. Miyagi in the 2010 remake of The Karate Kid? Jackie Chan. Ooh, two for two. Look at you go. I never even saw it, but I just know. Let's see. I've asked you this one before. All right. I'm not sure you're going to be able to get this one. This one's really hard. Okay. What is Tony Stark's superhero alter ego? Uh, Is it, is it iron gold guy? (laughs) Guy with red and orange suit. (laughs) Iron man. Yeah. All right. And finally, Which character has been played by both Sylvester Stallone in 1995 and Carl Urban in 2012? I am the law. Judge Dredd. Yes. And for my part, Carl Urban, way better. Way better. (laughs) Way more violent movie, too. I love that movie. I mean, even though it's like essentially they stole the premise of the raid, um, like practically word for word, it seems like it points. But oh, what a great remake. The Dread movie is awesome. It was a bummer they didn't make a sequel to that. That movie was fantastic. Yes. That was, that was a good quiz. I did well in that one. That was yeah, good. yeah. You knocked that one out of the park. Feel good that, about yourself. That Tony Stark one almost got me, though. Yeah, that yeah. That was, that was really tricky. That was really <laughs> tough. <laughs> so we want to thank Jason and Mickey at the Retro Network for hosting our show and you know sharing our posts on social media. They rock. They're great guys. Check out the Retro Network. There's tons of content on there. You can also listen to my other show, The Wizards Podcast. Retro Network guys, they rule. Thank you guys for everything. And uh, tune back in July 23rd for the review of T2. I can tell we are going to be having a very good time with that one. Cannot wait for that. Uh, in the meantime, check out our T Public store. T Public has been having a number of 
Um, really cheap t-shirt sales. I think you can get our t-shirt for like $13 on those sales. Yeah. Um, and check out the Retro Network. They've been really good about posting when those dates are. I've been really bad about reposting <laughs> when those dates are. Um, Jason is infinitely better at the social media game than I am. Um, but you can uh, check out our merchandise there, t-shirts. We've got uh, masks. If anybody, if you're in your state or still doing masks, I think the mask mandates are lifting everywhere. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to bring us all the way full circle back to the beginning of the show, you were talking about how the stuff is coming out in the movie theaters. I've been really tempted to go see a movie again lately. Oh, I, I, I think can't wait to see I'm Black gonna Widow. I think yeah. Do you think that's going to be the one? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I I feel like I'm getting ready to cave. We keep going by um, this um, shopping center near us that has an AMC in it, and I've been finding myself checking the movie times lately. So like I can tell I'm getting back to that point where I want to do it. I did cancel my um, AMC premiere membership. Wow, that's a, that's the end of an era. Holy yeah. God. It was. I mean, I've still got the Stubbs membership, which is like again, if if anybody out there has an AMC near them. The AMC Stubbs program is the best movie going program you could ever hope to get part of. Um, it has paid for itself 10 times over for me over the years. And that's even when I was only seeing a movie every few months, not even like every month with the premiere that I was doing. Um, AMC premiere is great. I just definitely am not back to a point where I'm going to be going and seeing a movie every month yet. We are Somewhere not sponsoring AMC, might, but if AMC uh, wants to sponsor us, they can sponsor us. Yes, <laughs> if AMC wants to sponsor this podcast, please get in touch. I would I would absolutely do that. I'm a big fan of AMC theaters. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, I'm really happy that I have several in my neck of the woods here because elsewhere, when I used to live in Jersey, um, I did not. I had, I think, either Regal or something else, some weird one that I couldn't think of the name of anymore. And, and I am a Regal Rewards member, so <laughs> Regal would like to sponsor us. I enjoy my Regal emails yes. and <laughs> all that kind of stuff as well. So. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was one that used to be, when I used to live up in Butler, there was some little movie theater there, and I don't even think it was Regal. It was some weird little yeah, we saw chain that was, I think, local to Jersey or something yeah. that, that I, I was used to go to. Um, anyway, that is it for us for this week. Um, please check us out on all our socials. Check us out on Box Office 30. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. And uh, it, I'd be remiss not to say it. We'll be back. <laughs> Hasta la vista, podcast listeners. <laughs> oh, my God. No. I don't know him. I don't know him. Come with us if you want to listen to an overlong podcast show. <laughs> about movies we like talking about <laughs> yes bye friends bye everybody this has been a presentation of the retro network <laughs>